I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's podcast. Our guest is Neil Schulman, co-founder and CEO of Bruzy. It's a new direct-to-consumer wine company. It doesn't deliver bottles. Instead, it helps customers make their own. Neil, you moved here a year ago, so welcome to the podcast and welcome to New Orleans. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Can you start this off by explaining Bruzy? Yeah, so basically, Bruzy is a company that allows people to make their own alcoholic drinks at home. Um, and the way that works is we invented a really cool um, little guy called a breezy bag, which is a small packet of powder containing yeast and other commercial winemaking ingredients that anybody can buy and then add to homemade juice or store-bought juice. And whatever they pour that into will turn into alcohol. So if you pour that into cranberry juice, you get cranberry wine, amazing cranberry wine. Or let's say you have an apple orchard near you and you pour in a bruisey bag into your, your local apple juice, it actually turns into hard cider as well. So how does it work exactly? <laughs> I didn't understand. Yeah, so bruisey works through fermentation, which is the same way that beer or wine is made. So essentially one of the ingredients in the bruisey bag uh, is wine yeast. And the way yeast work are they, they eat sugar um, and they create alcohol and carbon dioxide as a byproduct. So what we're essentially selling is the same ingredients that commercial wineries use to turn their grapes into wine, but shrunk down into a tiny packet, right? So let's say you went to the store and you bought um, fresh pressed cranberry juice or pear juice, for instance. You could take that home. Uh, you need to sweeten it up a little bit because wine grapes are actually much sweeter than the oh. fruits that we eat for fun. They're about three times sweeter. I so you add a little sugar for the yeast. And then you take this breezy bag and you open it up and it's small. You know, it's about the size of like a pen, maybe a little bit thicker. Okay. And you just pour it into that juice. Um, and what's going to happen is the yeast, when they make contact with the liquid, are going to rehydrate. And essentially within 12 hours, they wake up and start eating the sugar in the juice. Um, and as a thank you gift to us for giving them all the sugar, they're producing alcohol and they're producing bubbles. So over the next three to five days, what they are doing is they're getting that really, really sweet juice to something that's actually quite dry, but also something with around you know, 12 to 14% alcohol content as well. Okay, so, so you literally uh, make the wine in the in the same container of whatever juice you're using to make the wine so you might you have to pour a little bit off or something to make room for the yeast that's, right. that's you, correct you just hand seal it you just turn the top back on yourself and where do you put it we we actually sell so carbonation is going to build up so you can't seal the top on or that thing might explode you do so not we seal the top <laughs> we, we, we sell these in, in the welcome kit are these three airlocks that should oh. fit in really any juice container or your glass gallon jugs a lot of people like to and big glass jugs. Um, and these airlocks essentially allow gas to escape without anything else coming in. Okay. So what the welcome kit has is the welcome kit, and we sell a few different versions of the welcome kit, but it has three bruisey bags, 
And each one should make, you know, around a gallon of, of wine, actually. So that's around four bottles each. Um, so you get 12, 12 bottles of wine out of the welcome kit or a little more. And we also sell three airlocks. So you can make three different recipes at once. And then the last thing that the kit comes with is essentially access to um, pretty much all day customer support via text. So you can actually send us a regular text. We give you our cell number. And we have real people on our team in the US on standby all day to talk to people and help them get started. And then it also comes with access to our online community. So one of the things that we think about a lot with Bruzy is that Right now, um, both with COVID and post-COVID, we're in a world where people feel maybe more digitally isolated from each other or physically isolated as well. And so one of the things that we're doing with Bruzy is we're taking something that's inherently something that you do by yourself and we're trying to build a really great social layer on top of that, where you can talk to other people making Bruzy, you can check in with them. And right now that's happening in Club Bruzy, which is this Facebook group actually that has, I think, as of today, maybe over 5,000 people in it. Um, and these are all bruisey lovers who are making bruisey and sharing recipes with each other. Uh, what are the bruisey success stories? I'm talking about literally as far as the quality of the product, like what juices work best, which ones work not at all? So there's essentially two routes you can go with, with bruisey. Um, you could use store-bought juice, which people in Club Bruisey have been... <laughs> on a big cranberry kick lately. So apparently cranberry juice is really cool because okay. one of the things about bruises is you can make the wine as sweet or as dry as you like. You can even make it keto with barely any sugar in it. Okay. Um, and you get to pick in the brewing process how sweet it is. So cranberry is really cool because it actually turns out extremely well, bone dry and very sweet. So people love cranberry juice. When you go to the store, there's what, 15 different varieties and blends of cranberry juice? Is there one in particular? Like, is it cran apple, cran raspberry? Is it not even that particular brand? Should I go with like the fancy Whole Foods, uh, not that sweet version? Or no, you want the sugar, right? You want the sugar, although most of it does get consumed by the yeast. Um, as far as the blends go, there's a lot of customer favorites. Cran blackberry <laughs> is a good one, cran raspberry. But one of the most fun parts about Bruzy is really getting to customize your wine to exactly how you'd like it, which you can't okay. do with store-bought wine. Um, but, but I'd be remiss to not mention the other route besides cranberry juice that a lot of people love even more is what we call Bruzy Reserve, which is where we import crushed wine grapes from, from California, from Napa, um, that haven't been turned into wine yet, but have been juiced. And we get a limited amount of those right. and um, <laughs> anyone can order those. And so you can actually make, you know, real Chardonnay, Rosé, Cap Sauv, et cetera, at home from those grapes with the Bruzy bags. And those turn out extremely well. And you don't need to add any sugar because the wine grapes are already bred to be that sweet. If you're just doing the supermarket version, why cranberry versus grape juice? Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. So I think there's a bunch of reasons there. Um, a lot of people love Bruzy because they get to make something they've never had before, which is really fun if you're a wine lover and you go to a wine store. And even if you went to several wine stores all in New Orleans, and we have a lot of them, you're going to essentially be seeing the same varietals over and over again, right? Like once you've had, some people might say something like, once you've had a few different Malbecs, there's not maybe a much more to explore, for instance. Right. Although there's, you know, thousands of, of uh, vineyards in the world, and variations on the wine, but certainly you've never had, you know, strawberry wine before, made from strawberries, right? Yeah. And so I think that at the end of the day, 
a large part of the winemakers who make wine with Bruzy love sort of the exploration um, of, of really finding something new and maybe creating something new that no one's ever had before. Have you uh, come across like some super wine snob person that's just uh, read you the riot act about this? Like it, it treated this like blasphemy? Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, and a lot of it comes from maybe people who associate wine with certain other things in life that someone might call, you know, wine or, or haughty toddy. And I think one of the really fun things we're doing with Bruzy is that we're taking wine, which has all these associations with it. Um, for some people, they might be negative. For some people, they might be really high status or positive. And I think what we're doing is really democratizing what wine is. Because at the end of the day, wine started as, you know, a drink that was made by hand for your family, right, thousands of years ago. And there weren't brands and it wasn't something that was associated necessarily with even that high of a status. And I think what's really amazing about wine is that really everybody loves it. Um, and the winemaking experience that you do with Bruzy actually teaches you so much about wine that I think everyone ends up enjoying it a lot more, even when they buy store-bought wine. Wait, how many sales have you made? We've sold well over a hundred thousand Bruzy bags. <laughs> how did this go? How did this go from idea to where you are now? And how much did the pandemic play into this? Yeah, that's a great question. So I kind of can answer in two parts. Um, first, I, I essentially built Bruzy as a summer project over the course of around five months from April to when everything got started um, to August when we sold the first box. But I'm very lucky to inherit um, a lot of things that made it a lot easier for me than it would be necessarily for anybody else. Um, I had just celebrated my two year anniversary as a physical product designer for e-commerce. So in the past two years before Breezy, I was working for a medical supplies brand where I was developing one to two physical products from ideation to sourcing, international, domestic, to even the graphic design and the marketing. And we were launching products, I think twice a month. And I was the head of product design development for that, for that brand. Can so, you give me an example of one of those products? Like what? Yeah, so there were, there were self-care, non-electronic medical supplies. So you can imagine things that you'd buy on Amazon for yourself, such as bandages, orthopedics, wrist braces. Um, and it's not necessarily something I had a huge background in, but being new to that world taught me how to research about them and how to learn about them. And I was essentially learning how to be a product developer and designer under a different company where when I made mistakes, I didn't necessarily pay for them. In, in the downside to that is when I had successes, I didn't necessarily benefit from them, right? So at some point, people kept shaking and saying, Neil, you're selling, you're developing these products that are selling um, some of them a million dollars a year alone, just the individual products. And they said, you have to do something for yourself. And the, the second way that I'm lucky is that I'm a materials engineer. So I graduated from Arizona State um, with a materials science and engineering degree. So I've had a pretty well-developed skill set on materials design and the sort of engineering mindset that might go into play with working with a large-scale system, prioritization, balancing many parts, manufacturing as well. Um, and it just really came together with COVID to answer the second part of your question in that 
Bruzy was ideated from the sourdough bread making kit craze of the sort of March, April of last year. I mean, everyone knows someone who was making sourdough bread um, because we were stuck at home and everyone was getting pretty crafty. And I think we were also looking for ways to connect with other people from afar. And one of the ways we can do that is shared hobbies, which is something we believe in really strongly at Breezy is that shared hobbies, even if you're doing them separately, can bring people together. Um, and so everyone started making sourdough bread. And I think every time someone bought into that sourdough bread making trend, they felt like they were joining a group of people. Um, and so I thought to myself, what can we do that's like that, that is maybe a little bit more challenging than sourdough bread, but can also bring people together, requires fermentation and winemaking um, ended up being, being something I was convinced would, would take off if we could do it in time. So it was a bit of a race, honestly. So who's your team? So right now we have a team of uh, myself and Liam who run Bruzy um, and we share it equally. And we have two amazing, amazing community support uh, members who essentially run Club Bruzy, the Facebook group, and also our very, very, very important SMS text hotline that I think we get hundreds of messages a day and <laughs> we encourage people to talk to us about anything, not even winemaking. What's an example of a message you guys get? How's your day going? <laughs> <laughs> and so one of the things that's important to us is not just using customer and community support as a revenue service, which we actually shy away from, but as a way to build a relationship with all everyone that, that wants to shop at Bruzy or is a Bruzy winemaker already. Um, we also have... Um, a team of content writers and PR, which is, um, I believe, Keegan you've been in contact with. We have an amazing, amazing, amazing product uh, development intern who I work closely with as well. I'm still our, our lead product developer. Um, we have an app team because we're working on an amazing app that should make the brewing process with Bruzy really, really, really easy and allow you to connect and see what other people are brewing live, which I think is gonna be amazing. Um, and we have an amazing production team because we hand assemble all of our kits right here, actually around 20 feet below me in our commercial space. So, um, okay, that's a good segue. Why, where were you before? How did you come to New Orleans? And where are you set up here? Yeah, so right now we're in the South 7th Ward of New Orleans, just north of the Marigny, east of the French Quarter. Um, and we came here because I was living in Phoenix when I began to work on Bruzy, I was living there because I went to Arizona State University and graduated and spent a year there afterwards. And I was looking to move someplace a little bit more central in the United States, someplace that was a city where we could be an outlier as a startup and someplace that felt like the community was tight knit and welcoming. And after visiting here a couple of times, I was convinced that New Orleans would be a fantastic home for are, are for Bruzy and did you go I'm, basically on missions to look at other pl places to move and you just chose New Orleans? New Orleans is an incredible place. You know, I, I looked at other places, but New Orleans is an incredible place and it was an easy, an easy choice. So I, I rented a U-Haul and at the time I had the first 1000 Bruzy boxes, the cover boxes already printed. So I had to get a really, really big U-Haul, fill it up. And I moved over here and signed an apartment uh, and a commercial space below it, sight unseen. <laughs> okay. July 4th of 2020. 
and did uh now when you did all that whole process was, was this super below the radar or were you talking to like economic development people like was did gno inc know you were moving your upstart business here anything like that i didn't i don't think we connected to anybody official in new orleans like that until at least a few months after we even sold the first box so probably around six months after we moved here that's so cool it um it's you know that's the dream and the sole mission of so many people to, you know trying to build uh, you know economy here and, and you just kind of did it and made it happen on your own so the first box you sold you were already set up here you were headquartered here you're headquartered here and we had our first hire which was an extremely good and longtime friend named andy and it was just pretty much me and andy making the boxes that's amazing now is liam where is liam liam right now is he's also in new orleans we're actually roommates oh, he's um, he moved here officially in sort of December, January, um, and began taking over a few things in Breezy so we could both be even better at, at the things we, we were sort of in our radar. Uh, understood. This whole thing began during the pandemic where people were locked at home making sourdough bread. Are you guys planning now for your first ever big Breezy event where you get the whole community together at uh, you know, at whatever safe moment in time and everyone shares their, their different brews or different, what do you call it? Brews? Bruises. <laughs> or brews. <laughs> of course. They share their bruises. Uh, I mean, is, is there, is, are there plans for people to gather and start built, making the community in real life? Yeah. And, and, and that's a great sort of transition point for us. I think right around a month ago, you know, our homepage says make amazing wines and ciders. And it used to say make amazing wines and ciders at home. And right. we changed it to say together. Um, and that's sort of a bit of a shift that we're having to do and sort of retrain ourselves internally because we used to be a sort of something you would do at home while you're stuck at home. And now we're thinking of Bruzy as something that people can do together. So we are thinking about BruzyCon and Bruzy meetups. Um, <laughs> we have a, quite a few states with over a thousand Bruzy winemakers in them. Um, and so we'd likely start there, you know, we're keeping an eye on how things are progressing, obviously, and it doesn't look like uh, the verdict is completely out on when is the best time to start doing that. Right. But that's something we're really excited about. And one of the best things about a hobby is that it does bring people together physically. Are you working on getting kits into retail here and everywhere, or is it mostly going to be, uh, you know, online? That's a great question. So, you know, some people might, we, we, we've, we've had a few different opinions over the months. Um, almost, I, almost, I want to say years, but it hasn't been a year yet. since <laughs> um, We've had a few opinions over the months. You know, there, there, there's, there's one frame of thought that says, we're good at selling on the internet, stay selling on the internet, stay what you're good at, um, and just narrow that scope. But at the end of the day, I think the best way to reach people with Bruzy is to have a physical presence. We love to be in retailers. You know, our dream retailers are places like Whole Foods, Target. Um, and I think we are a fantastic product for those retailers, grocery stores as well. And so it, it's in the works. Um, I'd imagine that we'd like to start maybe breaking ground before the end of the calendar year. Was there, were there certain online and digital marketing strategies that really worked for you? Yeah, I mean, there are. So essentially, we um, do a lot of Facebook and Instagram advertising. We acquire 
many of our customers that way. Um, and it's, you know, getting in front of people's screens is a great way to get people's attention. Um, there's issues with that advertising channel. You know, no one wants to be spending, you know, sending a ton of money to, to Mark Zuckerberg maybe. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, that's where a lot of people are. And that's one of the best places to reach people. So Facebook and Instagram ads, that, that, along with a lot of other things, that might've been a really great way for you guys to reach out to people and find people. Yeah, there's also a mindset of how do we encourage people who've already bought into Puzi to, to share that with others? And that's something that we're constantly thinking about because there's really no better referral than that from a friend or family member, right? And so a, a question that we ponder a lot is how do we physically develop the product to encourage sharing? How do we talk about the product to encourage sharing? And how do we genuinely make Bruzy something that someone can't stop talking about to, to everyone in their life? Right. All right, I've just got like two or three more for you. Um, yeah. It sounds like you're already hinting at the strategy, but um, as, as we move hopefully away from pandemic in the coming quarters, uh, what, how are you going to position Bruzy to, to go, you know, to go past this, you know, the idea of doing something at home uh, and to take it away from say, you know, a, a novelty or, or, or uh, a pastime into, into the, into the future of the brand? That's a great question. And that's something that we're asked a lot by either potential investors or even our own, our own team members. And essentially, you know, I, I have touched on a little bit, but essentially what we believe is that Ultimately, hobbies are best done with others. And there's nothing about winemaking that says you need to do it alone. As far as future product development goes, our eyes are pointed towards what are things that are best done with others that we could do as well? Because we have a winemaking system, a wine insider making system, but there are other amazing, amazing foods and drinks that someone would want to make at home. Um, bread is a big one. Cheese is a big one that a lot of people do. And as a product developer, um, one of the questions that I ask myself is, can you develop something intentionally to encourage someone doing something together? There's a lot of products that do that. For instance, a board game. Board games are designed to be done with others. You could redesign Monopoly to make it you know, a solo game, but they, <laughs> they chose not to do that. Um, that was a conscious decision on, no, it's true. Um, and and it, one of the decisions that we have to think about going forward is, how do we develop and design products so that they either require or are highly benefited by being done with others? There are so many lucky breaks that we benefited from with the, the timing of when we were working on this, to my experience, to the fact that we were able to nail the, the formulation of the Bruzy bag in a few months. And I think at the end of the day, um, hard work is, is a big factor, but but we, we, we really did benefit from so many advantages that we had going there. As you look ahead for your venture and just the New Orleans economy in general, what makes you worried overall and what makes you just feel optimistic? That's a great question. Um, I'll start with the optimistic part. <laughs> so what, what, what makes me optimistic is the resilience that we've seen through COVID, um, especially the resilience that we've seen in local communities whether it's New Orleans businesses coming together to, to, to keep food and restaurant businesses afloat or small acts of kindness or service that you see reposted you know, on social media or if you're lucky in real life. 
And what makes me feel optimistic about that is that at the end of the day, what we're working on at Bruzy is building community. And regardless of where we are in the course of the pandemic, community will be just as important during it and afterwards. Um, and that's essentially our focus. And for that reason, I'm optimistic, regardless of, of the timeline of COVID. Um, the, the, the things I worry about are a lot. You know, I worry about have, have we reached all the wine and cider lover, making lovers in the United States? And, and you know, there's not much juice left to squeeze out of the lemon. At the end of the day, I, I think that that's probably not the case. Um, you know, I worry about how, how do we make the bruisey bag formulation so good that the wines that bruisey makes beat, you know, fancy $40 bottles in a blind taste test. And I, I worry about, are we not there yet? Can we get there? I ultimately believe that we can, you know, I'm a big believer in science and as a materials engineer, I, I think there are ways, ways that we can get there. It's just a question of, will we be able to do it? Well, it's certainly fun to watch. So congrats and good luck with all the next steps in this adventure. Thank you, Rich. It's been great talking to you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.